Welcome to New Type Flash, Episode 6. We're going to discuss Gundam Origin, Episode 6, Rise of the Red Comet. This is the last episode in the Origin series, and if you haven't watched it, then go watch it before you listen, because you're going to hear some spoilers. So uh, we've got your host, Lane, Scotty P, and Luke here. Hello. I wanted to subtitle this episode, Oh Crap, We've Only Got 30 Minutes to Get Everyone to Side 7. <laughs> well, you know, my first note for this episode is there's only a five-minute recap. Yeah. That was the shortest recap in the entire series, with the exception of episode one. Yeah. That makes and sense. The, and the runtime of this is 84 minutes, which is the same as episode five, but because there's a shorter recap by... I mean, almost five minutes. It feels longer. It definitely does. I've been skip- pretty much skipping the recap every episode since I'm watching it rapid fire. So definitely felt longer. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, this episode, it picks right back up at the end of episode um, five, really. Um, it, it probably actually rewinds the clock a few minutes. From- a, little, a, little, a little beforehand. Yeah. So... Um, the big, a big part of the first part of this episode is just, um, this, the, the battle of loom, right? Um, initially, so the battle goes back and forth. Initially we see, um, the Federation just wiping out Xeon ships and, and, you know, th- this all seems to be a part of the Zabi plan. Yeah. Um, the animation here is awesome. I like this was, I know we, we talked a little bit in episode one about how that intro scene, uh, where, where it was like the initial flash to the battle of loom and, and Shara was flying around, just like blowing everybody up with his shotgun shells. Um, this is like that. It's, it's not as fast paced as the intro to episode one, but like, it's still really well done. I thought. Yeah. I I think that's uh there's so much of the battle is, I mean, you're, you're finally getting action, right? If you wanted to watch Gundam for mobile suit combat and action, it is a focus of the first part of this episode for the first time in all six of them being any kind of focus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen... Go on. It was a really good scene to watch. I mean, it gives us a really good indicator of just the overwhelming, like manpower that the federation has compared to zeon and they kind of set it up as a and we already kind of know what zeon's plan is here but it kind of sets up a show like look how good we are we're so powerful we're just going to blow you out of the air it kind of sets up you know revel um just kind of running things and just wreck absolutely wrecking but that was kind of the plan so i think it maybe is worth kind of mentioning what their plan is here because just from the episode especially if it's your first time through i think it's kind of hard to pick up on all of it it's not, it's really not super clear. And then if you look on the internet, you have the fun of the, oh, I don't know, 30 years before there was any kind of official account of the battle and a bunch of conflicting information. So it's almost like a real war battle <laughs> when you try to look up info. Um, but uh, really what you have here is that you've got the Tianum fleet for the Federation. They were already in space and they're like in place. Yep. And you have the other piece of the Federation fleet, which is the rebel fleet. So you've got two Federation fleets in slightly different places because the rebel fleet at the end of episode five is launching from, you know, places on earth, Jabiro. And the Tianum fleet was the larger no, one, right? No, the, no, it was the rebel yep, fleet. Yep, fleet the Tianum fleet is roughly the size of Zeon's fleet. And then the rebel fleet is about double the size of Tianum's is, is what the internet said. Um, so that's where they get the three to one outnumbered. Uh, I don't, I don't recall the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure they explicitly state how much bigger the two fleets together are than the entire Xeon forces in the last episode. Yeah, in episode five. The plan. Yeah, they discuss that in episode yep. five at length. And so, what you see then, episode five, with the attacks on the like the various colonies in side five, like attacking the bays and such, is that they are trying to get the side five government to panic because Zeon has attacked a lot of sides at this point. And they even with side four, you know, dropped a colony. And so they do this to get the sides to call for aid because they think 
they'll be able to get the Tianum fleet to, you know, go over to Loom and they can, you know, have a better chance at fighting them and wear down their firepower before the, you know, a big battle. And they're at Loom because that's where the Tianum and Rebel fleets are meeting because from there they want to stage an attack on Xeon itself and just end this thing. Um, I'll try to not like hog the mic here, guys. Sorry. I'm just trying to explain it. Um, no, no. You're, you're, so what you're, then you're happens is Tianum goes, hey, Rebel, should I turn around and go protect the sides? And Rebel says, no, you stay where you are. And he sends Admiral Joaquin, who's a character later on, which is why I mentioned by name, and then another flotilla to go and protect Loom. And so what this then does is it reduces the size of Rebel's force. Dozel then goes and attacks Tianum's fleet. And there's a little bit of a conflicting thing here where it's, did he send a Vanguard sacrificially or did they realize their Musai's beams could not reach the Federation forces when the feds knew they were coming? So were they at an equipment disadvantage? It's a little bit unclear, but essentially what happens is as was mentioned earlier in this episode uh, of the podcast, uh, a bunch of Xeon ships get destroyed. Dozel's fleet then retreats and Tianum thinks, oh, well, okay, well, I guess we beat them, whatever. We'll hang out and wait for the other fleet. Um, and then, so they end up going onward and they're able to attack. Dozel's fleet is able to attack rebels fleet, basically under cover of the moon. And so this is where you see in, uh, origin episode six, where they're kind of doing the like ships going by one another, shooting at nearly point blank range. I just talked about the range disadvantage of a Musai as compared to a Magella or a Solomus or maybe not a Solomus, but anyway. And so they're attacking and they're able to kind of, you know, wear them down. And then that's when you're able to have the Tri-Stars come in and attack. And then you also have at the same time, uh, Shar attacking uh, Watkane and Cunningham and then taking out a bunch of those ships and these are in slightly different places, but kind of generally just around Loom. Um, uh, and then, uh, um, yeah, the- sorry, I had one more detail. The other important thing here, and we can I can let you guys kind of elaborate on it. They send out these mobile suits, and they're very, very effective because of Minovsky particles. And that's not really explained so much in the show in a direct context, but I've been talking a lot. Somebody take over on that part. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, the general consensus is that Minovsky particles, it's its a fairly efficient form of energy, and it also makes it pretty much impossible for them it, to be detected. Yeah. It, it, is that right? Yeah, it seems to dis- – and, and they briefly mentioned it when they had uh, the uh, professor, Dr. Minovsky, on the show yeah. a little bit. They they kind of hinted that it basically renders yes. radar useless. And, yeah. and, that, and that was kind of where I, I was getting confused when – the Federation lost track of the Xeon ships. They never really explained how they lost track of them so easily. Was it, was it the Minovsky mm-hmm. particles? Cause they, you know, most of the time when they say that they say, Oh, the Minovsky particles are so thick. We can't, we can't sense anything. We can't use radar communications. Uh, in this case, it was just like, they disappeared. Yeah. So what they don't explain at all and they don't in the manga either, they do a terrible job of explaining it. Um, so because the radar is broken, they hide in the shadow of the moon. Okay. Right. And there is a, now there is an undercurrent that Dozel might not have known he was doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, I think to get back to that, that point, I think, uh, generally speaking that, yeah, you're right. Lane. they just kind of disappear out of existence in terms of like instrumentation. But the ability to see him is still yep. fine. It just they, they hit. Well, even then, they they didn't have the ability to see him too much um, because when they appeared, they were right on top of him. And that, and I guess that makes yeah. sense. They were saying they're maybe hiding in the in the shadow of the moon. And you, you got to think you're looking out of the you're looking out of the bridge of that ship. Like you probably don't have. It's not meant to be like a viewing station. It's it's you have a pretty yeah. limited view, I would assume. Yeah, it, it was it was confusing, but it was cool at the same time. It was it was a nice it was a nice battle scene that we have been begging for this entire series. Yeah, yeah, and I think from the entertainment perspective, although there are pieces of the battle not well explained, just watching it as a piece of entertainment, you don't really question 
what's happening. It all just flows and you go, okay, yeah, this is fine. Like the details in the moment don't matter. Yeah. And at this point, the Federation gets wrecked. I mean, it, it it's pretty much a 180 as far as, you know, initially Xeon was getting blown up left and right. And, and, and it seems like that was initially part of their plan. They, they basically wanted to make the Federation chase them. And they, they hinted at one point um, that, that they were kind of splitting that uh, rebels fleet by sending the faster sh- ships ahead. Um, so I don't know. Uh, they didn't really touch on that too much when the battle started, but my, my assumption is that some of those faster fleets were probably the less armored ships and they got blown up too. That's the stuff that they wanted. Excuse me. That's the, uh, like Shar is in that because he's going to attack those other two flotillas. Right to make sure they can't rejoin with rebels. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing to note about what you said earlier is I'm pretty sure based off of the kind of exposition we got in episode five, I'm pretty sure that Dozel knew that he was sacrificing those people that he sent ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he explicitly calls out like they're making this big sacrifice for this like prosperity of Xeon and all, this, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the only other note I had about the battle itself is what's different here in origin from the accounts of the battle in mobile suit Gundam. And when I say that it's more of various side material over the years, it's come out in guidebooks and like, I don't know if you guys have done any older master grades, but they have a lot of like just extra material, like story material written in them. And I don't know what any of it is because I can't read. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never once gotten one that I could read. So I have no <laughs> idea what's in there. Yeah. I, I, I read a yeah. level of Japanese, but I would have to sit there with a dictionary for most of the stuff on a Gundam uh, model kit. Yeah. Well, thankfully now a lot of them are just translated uh, right off the bat. But um, so the, the, I think the biggest difference here, other than I don't really want to get into the differences in tactics and this fleet and that fleet will be another 30 minutes on that. But the, the, the so that it's a little bit later in origin, maybe like a week or two, uh, whereas the original material kind of puts this like you have the one week battle with Operation British and all that. And then this is very, very soon after, not three weeks after almost. Yeah. And then the other big difference is. There's like Xeon uses nukes in the original material and. They also, it's, it's made out to be, you know, that they were actually trying to drop another colony and that was the purpose of the operation. And that's why the feds went in to try and stop them. Whereas in origin, it's, they were trying to meet their fleets up at loom to go end the war. And there's, I don't even think there's any mention of dropping another colony. No, I don't, yeah, I don't I, remember I anything. I bringing it up. Yeah. So I don't know if that like counts as a retcon or if it's just one of those things. Hey, it's just different. Unless so. they, I feel like unless they explicitly said that they had no intention of doing it, I, since they didn't really call it out, they just didn't talk about it. It's hard for me to call that a retcon, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's just another colony hitting Earth. Who cares? <laughs> um, we keep talking about how good this action scene was. It was a solid twenty straight minutes. Yeah, yeah, um, out was- of an hour and twenty minutes. So. Like a quarter of the episode was just straight up action, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, and they, they do a good job too. Of, I think just showing in this battle, aside from the, the beginning part, um, basically how outmatched the Federation is at this point, because Federation uses all their ships. The F- Federation tries to, to, you know, use tactics. Then they pull out their, um, not, not quite core fighters. I guess they're like the previous, like the previous model before they get core fighters, um, and like everything they throw at Xeon just gets destroyed and it's not even really mm-hmm. a, uh, a competition. They just can't outmaneuver the Gundams or the, sorry, the mobile. The Zaku. Yeah. The, the, they, they can't do anything against these Zaku. Yeah. And, and you, this is also where you get that Ryu cameo because he is in a little, I don't know, piss fighter. I forgot what they're actually called. So I'm going to call it a piss fighter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so he gets he gets blowed up but he lives and he kind of has to live because he's in the next series <laughs> and he's floating around in space after that right yep yep uh that's in the manga a lot of this battle is i can't say it's not in the manga but um 
there aren't 20 minutes worth of pages to read. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I'll say that. I thought it was interesting. They spend so much time on it. I'm cool. I'm glad they did, but I'm, I was kind of surprised. At fan wankery. I, yeah, I think that at I this mean, point I, they yeah. heard they heard us in the future complaining that there's not enough action. Uh, yeah. I got to sell some. Got to sell some gunpla too. Yeah. True. True. We're finally at the point where uh, we they have kits. Then we we get uh, we get to see Shar three rounds, two ships, and three times the normal speed, Red Comet, and all of that stuff happening. Yeah, we actually cut back to the scene where they call it, where they name him the Red Comet. Yeah, is that uh, Mash that does it, or Ortega? I don't remember. Oh, I, I can't. I'm not sure. It's one of the Black Tri-Stars. It is definitely one of the Black Tri-Stars. Uh, Who are white. He gets, uh, he, it nets him another series standard double promotion. Yeah, what what is it with double promotions in in, in this world? <laughs> double well, promotions, double world. demotions, like not only in this world, but in this specific episode, there are like five double promotions. <laughs> and like, yeah, there's, and there's one part where a team does something, and he's like, "I'm gonna get the whole team double promotions." I'm like, "I've never heard of that." I grew up in an army family. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I mean, it's also how long has Zeon had a military? I think that might be part of it too. Is yeah, let's really incentivize stuff because we have a maybe tenuous hold on on these forces anyway. I, yeah. I didn't even try to track Garma's like rank throughout this episode. It changed like he four times. A, he was a commander by the end of this episode, I think. Yeah, he was a major at one point too. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Also, if you look up like the the rank listing for Zeon, that's actually not a rank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so after this battle, we kind of see some drama between all the zombies. Mm -hmm. There's not much really to say about that. Um, other than they argue with each other, they, they all have different opinions on what should be going on. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's important to just sow those seeds, you know, you've got to have a little bit of within the family squabbling. Isn't that where Dagwin gets called uh, Hitler? Or Dagwin calls his kid Hitler? Yes. Yeah, that was great. That that actually made me laugh out loud. It's so on the nose. Yeah. I mean, it's not not subtle at all. I mean, a lot of the series is always treated that with subtlety, and then you have this line where they're just, no, this is exactly what he is an analogy for. You're definitely being like Hitler, bro. No, no, no. (laughs) Let's... We can ignore history because we're better than all the history that came before us. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, so in between all of that, we see um, we see Degwin basically saying, uh, "Well, you know, there's there's this um, fleet that we talked about earlier um, mm-hmm. that's hanging out there, and if they press forward, we're dead. And what do they do?" Not that. Not that. They say yeah. <laughs> they're absolutely not. They they fail to commit. They retreat, and Zeon has the victory for this one. Yeah, it was like the one thing we had to do to completely to completely turn the title war, and they were too chicken shit to do it. Well, yeah, Tianum fucks up here, but the, the way they pace it is a little bit weird because I think the the intention is that. Tianum realizes how badly Rebel's fleet just got wrecked, just owned. And he wants no part of that. And so that's why he turned like kind of just takes his ball and goes home back to Luna too. This doesn't present it so much as that. Uh, Cause I think they even mentioned like, Oh, the Xeon's really depleted. So it's a little bit strange. Um, yeah. The, the general idea is that Xeon is so depleted that if the feds had kept attacking, they would have won very, very, very easily. And the war would have, probably been over right there at that point um but i I know the original intention in the you know was always kind of or at least as i took it was that tianum goes oh crap we know i don't want anything to do with that we got to get the hell out of here um this doesn't present it like that so much to me yeah i didn't really get a clear picture of of why he made that decision I, I kind of got the fact, it seemed to me that he was afraid to commit because he didn't want to lose, but I don't think that they they played that super hard in in the writing. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think it's just kind of the first thing of like a lot of federation. Uh, it's usually the government people, but sometimes it is high ranking officers are just shown to be incompetent sometimes and bad at making decisions. It's a theme throughout the entire meta series. So, Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's fine. Um, so uh, there's a little more talk between the zombies. Um, Garen is pressing hard to, to, to keep this war going. He wants to take it down, down to earth if he has to. Um, and uh, Jaguan does not. He wants it to end pretty quickly because he doesn't think that they can prosecute a war for a long time. Um, and all the Which... while, Garma is whining that he's not as good as Shar. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it, I, just, I want to go out into the field and, be, and show that I'm as good as Shar. It's like, no, dude, you're not. You're not, bro. Go out in the okay. field and die. But it, they let him... They let I, him. I kind of feel bad for Dozel, you know, he's like sitting there and, you know, somebody's just complaining, like, it's not fair, you know, he can do all this and that, and he's getting all these promotions, and, and you guys are just making me sit here, and I'm really good, and he's like, sure you are, okay, okay. Uh, okay, okay, bud. <laughs> it's kinda, Dozel has a nice bar. Yeah, no, I mean, Dozel probably has nice everything. Well, true, but... I, I particularly noticed that he had a very nice bar. I was, uh, in, isn't it in, like in shot of his bed? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. I might be putting a couple of settings together. But anyway, that's, uh, you know, it's a fun scene. Um, yeah, so they decide that the zombies will, uh, so Dozel, you know, kind of is like, yeah, I'll see what I can do if I can get you like a promotion or whatever. And Garma's like, no, don't give me a promotion. Give me a, give me a, like an assignment. And he's like, okay, yeah, go away. I'll do that. Um, and then um, the zombies decide to continue attacking Loom to to finish the battle because I guess at this point they they still have some elements that they want to purge from Loom. Um, there's not much to say about that. I don't think. No. No, not really. It's it's important to know that in the in the continuity that was established before origin uh, side five and loom get basically wrecked into a shoal zone yeah where there's essentially nothing left they don't go into detail on that here i think that's where the nukes come in and that other or you know parallel continuity but that's going to be important in a later show so i wanted to bring it up here yeah um so we Fast forward a little bit, and we're at the Loom Victory Ceremony, um, where everybody's getting these double promotions. Have we seen, uh, just a quick note, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, have we seen Cassilia yet? I think at the end of the conversation between Degwin and Garen, or was that the episode before this one? She She's in this one, so it, they, they've, and that's where I said like the zombies were going back and forth, so like... I think what you're talking about is where Giren's like, I, I want to continue the war. And Degwin's like, nah, we need to end it. And then Degwin goes to Cassilia and is like, figure out how to help me out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to note, she looks exactly like Shredder this whole episode. <laughs> that, that's, that happens in the la- latter half of this episode. I think when she first shows up, she's she's not wearing the, the foot soldier outfit like she is in the ah. original series. That's all I can remember is her being a foot soldier this whole time. Oh my God. Anyway, sorry. Moving on. Um, Yeah. So um, Char and Garma meet up again. And uh, as we have seen in this series over and over again, Char is a dick. I don't know. I thought he was being kind of humble. I think he was humble bragging. Uh, he always does a thing where he talks down and someone's like, look, look at this thing I accomplished. She's like, oh, wow, good for you. Yeah. And, and Garma was definitely you. a whiny bitch with a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> he was. I mean, he's like, he straight up cried to get his his, uh, his post. Like, he just straight up cried in front of his brother till, till his brother gave in. Yeah. And, and they kind of mention um, it, in this point, he, he brags too. He's like, well, I'm, I'm leading the um, command on the... Right. 
on on the actual colonies we're going you know doing the hand-to-hand combat yada yada i'm i'm a real man i'm not flying out in space like you are and char's like yeah okay all right buddy (laughs) and this is also the scene where you can pretend like any of the zeon character cameos that you wanted to happen in this series that don't you can pretend they were in the background here so you're like you're Johnny Ridden and Shin Matsunaga, who I really could not even tell you about them, except that they have lots of model kits for their Zakus, and they were also heroes at Loom, heroes for Zeon. Uh, they they could be there if you want. Uh, Delaz Admiral Delaz could be there in the background if you want. They don't show them, but they could be. You just assume they're all yeah. there. All your Zeon pals. Um. <laughs> So we see Garma actually leading people for the first time in what three episodes, three or four? Yeah, arguably successfully. I, I almost maniacally so. He's basically just like blow everything up, kill everyone. Yeah, that was pretty dark. I mean, you you see civilians fleeing as like he's just ordering his troops to destroy everything. Yeah, it's not much of a. Uh, it shows he's not the most. Yeah, he's not very stable. I think we got that already, but this is another demonstration of it. Yep. Yeah, this is all set up for for the next series, really, yep. with him. Um, and then we see Cassilia again, uh, and we get uh, we get to see Makuve. Oh, what a dick! Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The art, the art critic. Yeah. Yeah, this this was weird, and and at first it didn't click with me, um, but um, it it's it was it was an interesting thing. So basically, she she meets up with Makuve, um, and she says, "Listen, you're going to go down to Earth." Um, she makes it seem like an invasion when when she's speaking to him, um, and then she said Garm is going to be his second in command, uh, but it doesn't end up being an invasion invasion fleet that he's leading is it makuve does not personally go with the invasion fleet but we can talk about that towards the end of this one yeah um, but he goes to earth yes. yeah and we'll get to that in just a little bit um and then well, so, so one thing i wanted to point out here because you guys when we were chatting earlier much earlier today kind of you know I felt like this was worth bringing up. And so I just want to make sure I repeat it um, here during the episode. The context that you don't get from the anime is that uh, this is a flashback narrative within uh, you know, the wider mobile suit Gundam story in the manga, but then they faithfully adapt the manga in this case. And so in the manga, you're reading this in volume seven, volume eight is operation Odessa. So if you're familiar at all with the original series, it makes sense to have Makuve here as a nice thematic tie as one volume ends up going into the next one. Um, but in the anime, without that context, it is a little bit like, okay, Makuve, all right, cool cameo, I guess. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took me a little while to even realize who it was. Yeah. So uh, at this point, we see Char again. He is uh, ordered to search and destroy for something called Operation V. Um, he's given a ship. I want the robot that prints things, and then you put the paper back in, and it shreds it. That was amazing. <laughs> that, would be, that was that would be awesome. We need those at like all conference room tables. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you you mentioned him getting a ship. You can't get this from the anime, but in the in the manga, there's a panel of him getting the ship, and and it helps that Moose Eyes already look a little bit like Galvatron's spaceship. But I mean, the panel, it's like a dead-on like Galvatron ship coming out of Unicron. Like you can hear, <laughs> you can hear that. This shall be your ship. I was like waiting for Dozel to just say that because it looks so on purpose. <laughs> anyway, funny. yeah, it's it's funny. And then you know, Char immediately says like, "I don't want to be the captain <clears throat> of the ship," and he gives it to some random dude. He's like, "Here, you, you take the ship." <laughs> I'll, there, like, I'll tell us where to go and what to do, but like, you, you do the rest of the crap. You're the captain now. <laughs> it's really funny because the whole time he's like, you should probably do this. The, uh, oh, I should have kept this tweet, but the, there is a humongous difference 
Like if you ever need to know like the difference in animation quality and why origin is infinitely easier to watch than the original 1979 series, look at what the inside of this Musai looks like in origin. And then look up a screenshot of what it looks like in the original series. And yeah, it's, it's night and day. Like it's (laughs) insane how different they are. 30 years. will do that for you. Almost 40. So, did we mention at any point Revel? Uh, what happened to him? Uh, no, that that was kind of my next part, and I guess we should, we didn't really mention it before that he was taken hostage. So, go ahead, Luke. <laughs> in, this, in this whole part, he ends up he ends up hostage. I don't even think they show them directly taking they, taking control. They do. He was basically trying to escape during the battle, and it appeared like his his uh, escape pod got caught. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of cuts to him a little while later, uh, and we see him in prison at this point. Um, they basically, uh, uh, the, the, who is it? Degwin comes in and, uh, is like, I want to end this war. I think you want to end this war. I think we all want to end this war. This war some shit. We don't want to keep this going. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I, th- I think I get what you're saying. Um, and then there's kind of, it kind of seems like they're on the same page. And then it kind of cuts to a couple days later, he's sitting in his cell. And then, yeah, in the, and this is by Cassilia's people, yes, right? The the conversation between Revel and Dagwin reminds me a lot, a whole lot of a couple of characters named Bright Noah and Benazir Lynx. Way, 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 way later. Um, and since I will not remember this by the time we get up to that, I wanted to point it out here, but yes. Anyway, Rebel is busted out by Cassilia's men. Can I one note? Uh, whoever they got to do the voice for Rebel, at least in the dub, is horrible. Oh, I liked it. And he's like whispering the whole time. He's like whisper mumbling. <laughs> he's like a mumble rapper. Oh, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> like that's like the whole. It's like the whole. The whole. The whole time. It's horrible. Anyway, so he gets broken out. Uh, yeah, he gets he gets broken out, um, and then we see Shar's ship engage a random Federation ship, um, and it looks like they're getting ready to uh, take it over. Basically, Shar like pulls up next to it, gets on the bridge after some threats, and then does some new type shit. Rebel appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. And then, and then Revel yeah. walks in. He's like, hey, what's up? And Char's like, yo, this is over my head. <laughs> it was a very interesting like piece of characterization for him because he, as soon as he saw him, he's like, hey, you're you're Revel, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm Revel. He's like, all right, cool. Sorry to bother you. Have a nice day. <laughs> well, and then he gets back to the ship and they're like, "What, Char, what the fuck are we doing? Why did we not own them? And he says something about or he may still be in his mobile suit on the way back at that point. I, I was about to accidentally ruin a wonderful piece of political theater. Yeah. And we're about to find out what he means by that. But I think for Char's characterization, why this is important is that we've only seen Dozel give him orders, but Cassilia's men broke out Revel. And so yep. we can already see here, he is clearly connected to multiple zombies. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, I think it's it's all part of his big his big ploy at this point. I think he's he's in the pocket of every single one of them, uh, at least from what I can tell. Yeah, probably Gearin the least, but Dozel and Cassilia and and Garma's gay thoughts, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so then we we go to Amaro again. This is the first time we've really seen him this episode. Yep. We yeah, we started kind of getting to that point of all right. Now we got to introduce every single character who was ever on the white base. Now, <laughs> well, and it, well, I mean, they they didn't they don't really show anybody new in this scene. They they show Amuro um, meeting uh, with uh, Kai Shiden, and he basically like Kai's like talking some shit, and then Amuro is just like fuck off, and like Kai's like oh oh okay, I I'm scared of you now randomly, even though I used to bully you. <laughs> Oh, he stood up for himself. Um, Amaro has the brilliant idea to go to the military base and demand to see the secret project they're working on. Yeah. 
That was cool. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that works or not. <laughs> well, it, it, it didn't. It succeeded in getting his house raided. Oh yeah, no, that definitely. Uh, it was an interesting impact. I uh, kind of thought it was funny because they were like, uh, "We're not going to tell your dad what you did. Uh, we're not going to tell him you were here. Um, you need to go home and think about what you've done." And then he gets back, and by that time, they've like trashed his place. And and they don't really say that um, that his dad is off the colony at the point at this point, um, which we find out a little bit later. Because cause when they say that, when they're like, we're not going to tell your dad, I'm like, well, he's going to know in like three hours when he gets off of work. <laughs> but apparently not. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little time jump and they don't explain it. The, I think the, the most interesting thing with this scene is that the, do you guys know who the Federation guy is that he's talking to? That's exactly what I was about to ask. Like he, he mentioned himself by name and I didn't recognize the name. It's William Kemp. And that is who was supposed to be the Gundam pilot. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Trivia. <laughs> um, did, they, did they name him? Um, did they name him in the original series as the supposed Gundam, Gundam pilot or what? I don't think so. But maybe. I don't remember. I, I really got no, uh, I really had no background on that. me either <laughs> i didn't i didn't go with background okay i i just i knew this trivia and i didn't bother to go source it again because i just i don't know it's just a thing i knew <laughs> scotty just dropped knowledge on us so let's let's fast forward to peace talks in antarctica so this is where makuve is this is where um the rest of the federation leadership um is uh, so it's now the day after valentine's day and and we also see so, everybody getting two rank promotions and demotions again. Um, in this in this scene, there's more people getting promotions. Um, and then we see a quick motion, uh, uh, a scene with Sayla getting transferred to side seven. Yeah, this is the hurry up, get to side seven, everyone. I thought that was. Hey, we need to go here. There's not really any reason other than they don't have a doctor. You're, you like you like helping people, right? Yeah, when they start changing the scenes as often as they did towards the end of the, uh, the show, I was like, oh, it must be wrapping up soon. I wasn't even looking at my watch. I was like, it must be wrapping up soon. <laughs> well, it was definitely like, it was like seeing, uh, here's this character. Here's them going to side seven. Here's another character we haven't seen in five episodes. They're go- also going to side seven. Here's a here's another character. They're already on side seven, but we're going to have them go in this direction where they were in the beginning of the first episode. Yeah, it it was all for me. You know, some of this is in the manga, but not most of it. Um, like you know, for for me, it w- it was very surprising. Uh, was it last month when they said? we have more Gundam, the origin coming. I was like, Oh cool. They're like, we're going to cut up all these OVAs into TV episodes. I was like, what? And yeah, uh, yeah. Because of this ending uh, that I was surprised because it is such a look at what we're doing. Look at what we're setting up. Yeah. We're not doing that. I, I wonder if this is like a precursor to them redoing the original series. I'd be down for that. I don't know why you wait. Like they are. I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, the... they take so long to to get everything out. Everything gets delayed by years and years and years. They probably planned after episode four to yeah. you know roll into original series, and they're like, no, let's do two more episodes because we're not close yet, or you know, got to have somebody to sc- screenplay everything and yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. That's... Who knows? We we can hope, right? Th- things that are manga adaptations. I'm kind of like, you've got the script. You've got yeah. the storyboards. Like, I feel like a lot of that production's done. You've got your casting. You just did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I know that there are realities to it. I just sort of was, like many fans, convinced, hey, 40th anniversary, what are they going to do for that? Certainly, it would be just keep going with the series that they've been doing for three years that leads into it. But yeah, can't yeah. win them all. So, um, speaking of can't win them all, Revel shows up and gives a speech um, and just kind of throws everybody for a loop, including Degwin Zabi, when he's basically like, 
no, nah, let's don't end this war. We can't give in to these assholes. If we if we if we settle right now, it's capitulation. Um, these guys are some shit. Yeah, no way we're gonna let this happen. And he's pointing out what Tianum didn't act on, which is that Zeon is very weakened. Yeah. That's kind of just the, that's the point of his speech, which it gets lost in the episode because like you mentioned, there's a lot of scene jumping and they show so-and-so listening in and so-and-so listening in. So it's almost hard to catch a lot of it. But the point of his speech is they are really weak. It would be very stupid for us to sign an armistice because we can win. Um, yeah. And uh, anyway, so you end up with the Antarctic treaty which isn't an armistice, but instead uh, one of it's a GOP. I think it's Admiral GOP. I'm not sure what his rank is here. You see him way, way, way later in Jabiro, but uh, you know, he kind of laughs about have your war and do it cleanly, but that's basically what the Antarctic treaty is, is it's okay. It's not an armistice, but we will stop using NBC weapons and we won't drop any more colonies. Yeah. And I don't think they drop any more colonies for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. <A couple> years. <laughs> um, and then after this, we basically, this is the montage you get uh, where, you know, like at the end of every um, sappy movie or historical movie, they're like, uh, Emero Ray, pilot of the RX-78. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like for everybody that's on white base pretty much, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty cool. Like you get to see a lot of people, um who if you've been watching newer series you might have like forgot exactly who they are what they're doing and why they're important especially a lot of little like onesie twosie characters like kai sheeton like you knew he was there but do you remember what he did specifically right so that was kind of good i did like that too it was it, it was a nice like connection to to the to the next series which is you know mobile suit gundam right mm-hmm yep so that with that, we're we're done with uh, Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin. So um, I I don't know if we're gonna have a follow up episode that we, we recap and kind of like give our thoughts on the whole series as a whole. Um, we'll have to decide that later. But episode six, what do you guys think? Well, uh, there was a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wayne, did you not watch Bright Noah? Okay, okay. (laughs) Hesitation. (laughs) I was like, uh oh. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, we see Noah. (laughs) Yes. So you see see Bright Noah, but you also it also does show uh, Tamaray in space. You you mentioned that earlier. I thought. thought Well, and in the music connection here, the the credits finish, and you get that you know overture, like the brass overture from the beginning of the mobile suit Gundam anime episodes. And then you see white base coming up from earth. Oh, and during the credits, you get that montage of uh, Garma uh, landing on earth and taking over California. Cause you see him in front of the Hollywood sign. So that was the earth invasion. They show that as the credits start to roll. Yeah. Um, nice. And then they show, um, uh, Romeo, I forget Garcia Romeo, who, took over central a lot of central america and is uh you don't get this from the episode but that guy is ultimately the one that is in charge of trying to find jabaro um because zeon doesn't know where it is and i think there was was there more makuve showing him kind of rolling into europe i don't remember but i mean these are all like still frame panels kind of going over with the credits uh so it's uh just kind of gives you a little bit more of that. Oh yeah. By the way, Zeon did actually end up taking over uh, earth. We mentioned that early in the episode here over the credits. We'll kind of show you a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what we were supposed to be talking about. Sorry, Lane. No, no, I, I completely brain farted on, on the epilogue and, and, and that part. So that's on me. So now, now we can do, thoughts on the episodes this episode it was uh i liked it a lot i felt like the last i don't know half hour it was like they were doing they were going to do a third episode of this and then they're like no no you're not they're like oh god no we gotta fit this in yeah i think 
because of that on its own in a vacuum, it's a strange one, but especially in concert with episode five, like if you were to watch those either back to back or within days of each other, or maybe even like a week of each other, I think they work very, very well as like one coherent story. Um, and then also as a lead in to mobile suit Gundam, I think it, it works very well. And it's a lot of detail that, I mean, yeah, like an official thing of the battle of loom, man, I mean, I remember like late nineties, early two thousands internet, you could find all kinds of wrong information about loom, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and the, and then I think you know, one thing we didn't do because I don't know, this is maybe my fault. Maybe you guys want to talk about it at some point and you can outvote me, but I think Igloo sucks. Like MS Igloo is a terrible, boring program that I really don't want to watch again. Uh, but you know, even that when it came out was kind of a big deal at one point because it has a story that occurs during loom with the, I don't know, whatever German name they gave some cannon that can't move. And they even show, <laughs> yeah. you know, Shar Zaku blowing up a couple of battleships. And that's how, you know, it's loom. Shantiheim or whatever it's yeah, called, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it's, it was just, you know, it's very cool to see that that battle uh, it, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like a Star Wars thing where they take a one-off line and go and over-explain it, except that this is actually something that was worth explaining, unlike every time Star Wars does that in the newer movies. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think overall, as a standalone episode, if if this was just like an episode on its own, it, it, it doesn't stand very well because obviously it's just like a lot of action and then like some filler. But I think I think put together with episode five, if this would have been a movie, it would have been great. Um, so if, if you look at it in the, the perspective of episode five and six together as like the story of loom and the story of how like, you know, Char becomes, you know, the red comet, then it's really cool. Um, and, and I really liked it because it kind of like gave me a lot of the stuff that I've been really wanting since we started watching the, the beginning because we started watching and it was like, okay, cool. We're getting background on all these people. Um, and, but no action. Now we got all the action and it was like really good quality action at the same time where we were also getting good story at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked it. It is still it is still not out on Blu-ray. I mean, it is, but unless you bought it right when it came out at Japanese Blu-ray prices, you know, it's not out. Um, so hopefully soon they'll put this or five and six out as you know one volume or just a one through six is kind of what I'm holding out for at this point. Yeah. When I looked at the, the website for origin, it, it said that, it was basically packaging five and six together as the, the battle of loom arc. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not out actually. I was honestly, I'm thinking about it. I don't think I ever, look, I ever looked. There's some kind of like purposeful gap because this came out in May, I think in Japan. So like last summer. So it'll probably be this summer that, I don't know if it's exactly a year or maybe a little longer, but uh, the companies with the licensing to distribute it over here in the States probably have some enforced like period of time because they don't want the Japanese consumers to import the much cheaper American media. Well, it's, I mean, it's on Hulu right now with no commercials yes. and it's on uh, Gundam Info right now with, uh, whatever YouTube commercials there, but I don't think there's much. So it might not be on YouTube by the time this episode. It's true. That's true. Um, but they do, they do cycle them like in and out. Yeah. It's been on, it's been on there for a while, but yeah, at least it's on, it's on Hulu. I mean, all six episodes are on Hulu right now. Yes. The channel for anyone who needs it is Gundam info. I would assume anyone listening to this already knows that, but just search Gundam info and you'll find it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, any final thoughts for, for this episode? I, I, I think we will, we'll discuss this more, but I think it might be cool for us to go back and like have a, a short follow up episode for this. Sure. Yeah. I'm done. What, what's, what's next though, Wayne? 
Ah, next is Mobile Suit Gundam, the original series. Except we're not going to watch the whole series. We're going to watch the movies. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about the series because we've all seen it, but we're going to rewatch the movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of us wants to rewatch forty three episodes of nineteen seventy nine anime. I'm sorry. It's tough. That's tough but, to get. But you know what? Also, if you're new to this, the movies are a better way to experience it. And then if you really like them and want the detail you go back and do the long series. I like that's, that's the way to do it. I recommend, uh, not watching the dub though. Cause if you watch anything with the dub and then watch the movies, it'll forever break your brain in terms of the voices they use for people. Right now is suddenly British. <laughs> oh, you watched, you watched the nineties. dub. <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was bad. And I, I watched okay. what Luke gave yeah, me. I so I saw the nineties dub. Yeah, well, that's what I also experienced at first because that's what I bought on VHS at Suncoast in like 1999 <laughs> or something. Uh, oh God, that was 20 years ago. Anyway, um, so the the Blu-ray of the series has a lot of the voices that are used again in Origin, but not all of them. Uh, if you're familiar at all with Gundam Wing, which I think almost everyone is, Amaro is voiced by the same guy that does Catra. Oh, nice. Um, he's which voiced is also, a lot of characters too, hasn't he? He's voiced a lot of characters, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, again, they recycled some of the same voice actors in Origin for those cameos, but not all of them. I think Kai is probably the biggest standout as being a lot different uh, or sounding a lot different. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, the Blu-ray of the series has that Toonami dub from you know about 15 years ago, a little longer. And the... Uh, the Blu-ray of the movies, I think, only has subtitles and not the old VHS tape dub. So I'll be watching it subtitled. Yeah, that's probably the way to go. I recommend it. I haven't de- decided yet. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, we, we might watch some key episodes here and there that are things that might be like important for a character that the movies kind of gloss over. So we'll, we'll get it oh, figured like out. The, the Doa's Island one? That's a good one. Kind of that. And I, I know there's some stuff with supporting characters that the movies are like, eh, man, whatever. They just don't bother. Cool. So. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in next time. Um, for now, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at NewTypeFlashPod. And uh, at Skankin Monkey is me, S-K-A-N-K-I-N-M-O-N-K-E-Y. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then we have Scotty P. Yeah, it's Scotty two underscores and P on Twitter. So Scotty two underscores P. Or if you like Transformers, you can look up the Sabertron.com Twincast podcast to hear me go on that. Our last episode was almost three hours. Damn. And um, you can also find that podcast by go. I realized this recently and I'm going to brag on it. You can go to Stitcher Radio, either the app or uh their website and just search transformers and that show will be the first result. Nice. Nice. Congrats. Yay. I don't know if we <laughs> did that on purpose, but Hey, I'll take it. And then Luke, I'm uh, easy stuff on Twitter and uh, feel free to follow us along on, on the Gundam subreddit subreddit where I try to post uh, episodes where you can chat with us and uh, hopefully we don't get banned from the subreddit. Yeah. And I'll show up, but you probably need to tag me or I'm not going to like, even know because I don't go on Reddit very much. But if you tag me, I will I will figure it out. All right, guys. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you next time.